We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. This is the Gator Nation Football Podcast. With your hosts, Alan Williams and James DiVirgilio. This place is an insane asylum in the swamp! Oh my! Now we know we're just a bunch of average stiffs. Last one for you. I don't know how deeply you've gotten into your evaluations, but uh, can you win with the quarterbacks that, that, that Florida has on this, or do you have to go out and get yourself a quarterback? You know, I, I I don't think that's fair yet. I haven't, you know, been with them yet. I haven't, you know, I've I've seen some things, but I think being able to watch them kind of interact with the team, see how they practice, you know, we'll, we'll get an idea. But you know, you got to understand this. I believe I can win with my dog Clarabelle. So, you know, I that's, you know, I mean, but that's the attitude. So, you know, the, there's good players here, and and that's just our responsibility to. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get that going. Welcome back, everyone, to the Gator Nation Football Podcast. My name is Alan Williams, as always, with James DiVirgilio. That clip you heard at the beginning was Jim McElwain's opening introductory press conference talking about quarterbacks. So we're going to talk a lot about quarterbacks today. But before we get down to the nitty-gritty of that, James, that was a wild game. Another wild game. The Gators... Seemingly never boring. How did you feel about that game? Well, it was a it was a tale of of two halves, which we're going to talk about. I'm giving away part of the teaser, but yeah, you know, halfway through, I felt awful, and I was thinking of all the ways that I could 
fix the problem by firing everyone or not watching football anymore or I don't know, a million different thoughts running through my mind about how why is it that that me, someone who loves watching football, I mean, I love watching football so much that I have three flat screens on my wall and I watch virtually every college and NFL game every weekend. I love it. And why am I tortured with having to watch the Florida Gators play offense week in and week out? That was the majority of the thought going through my mind in the game and then thinking, wow, not only are we going to lose to Kentucky, but Kentucky was the better football team. That sort of was like the, the encapsulation of where my mind was during that game. How about you? Well, I had a really weird experience with it. As most of you know, I'm living in Moscow, Russia this year. And for some reason, ESPN didn't want to show me the game when I woke up the next morning. So I had to wait for a replay. And by then, I knew that we won the game. But watching it, at many points throughout this game, I was like, am I wrong? Did I look at that wrong? Did we really lose this game? It was a surreal experience knowing that we won and watching us close so poorly throughout much of the game. Um, it's, it's really incredible. I mean, I, I remember thinking when we were down 27, 14, there's no way we win this game, but we did. It was a testament, I think to the team's, you know, grittiness and toughness. And, you know, that sounds like some coach speak there, but I love the fact that they didn't give up and they didn't stop. And of course, Kentucky did shoot themselves in the foot many, many times as Kentucky is wont to do. It was maybe the most Kentucky loss ever. But it was a Gator win as well. And, you know, I think you have to take that when you can get it. I mean, that was on the road. And as we, if you listened last week, I predicted us to lose. And I don't know if I was really wrong about that, but, I mean, you take a win on the road in the SEC. Yeah, you were really robbed of the experience that most of us had. Uh, which was just the you know the actual prospect of losing. <laughs> so fortunately or unfortunately for you, you missed that on the emotional roller coaster that was that game. Uh, so I, I'm interested to hear your viewpoints as we kind of talk through this. As a lot of you know, Alan and I make it a point not to discuss the game at all until we do this podcast, which is a, a change from how most of our friendship was when it would be like immediate you know texting or discussion. Uh, we wait to do this, so we're always hearing our thoughts anew. Uh, today's episode is going to be. Another great one. Uh, we've we've got a lot of good things to talk about. There were, as always, a lot of interesting things to break down, both strategically and analytically. We've got a quarterback situation that went on in this game. We've got a running back scenario that's gone on in this game. We had a defense that seemingly gave up a lot of big plays. Uh, we had a first half versus a second half where things look different. And uh, if that's not enough, we'll recap what went on in the SEC as well as what went on in the national games before turning our attention to Vanderbilt, who had a heck of a weekend themselves fighting against Alabama. And then we'll visit with our guest, Joe Fisher. He's been on the show before. He's the Vanderbilt play-by-play announcer, and he'll give us some thoughts on what it's like right now to be a Vanderbilt Commodore. So we've got a great, great show for you. We're really looking forward to diving into this stuff. And we're going to start with a 30,000-foot view, which is the first half versus the second half. Let's look at, Alan, why we struggled in the first half in particular. Let's open it up there. Uh, We know that we had a really good second half success-wise. We're going to save that one for the second piece. And let's just, let's kind of zoom in on this. And you're supposed to ask me this question here on our crib sheet, but I'm just going to steal this from you. Alan, why do we struggle? And let's start on offense first. What, What was wrong with the offense in the first half? Well, I mean, the offense did put up 14 points, so I want to say relatively 
successful compared to some of the games we've been in. But I want to say most of it comes down to, I think, some of our overall strategy in this game. You can count on one hand the number of times we made an attempt to throw the ball downfield. Now, we were successful and moved the chains a lot with you know, some of these basically swing passes, quick throws to the outside. Some of those got some really good yardage, moved the ball, ran the ball fairly well in the first half. But you have to execute over and over and over again, almost perfectly, to succeed with that style of offense. And we weren't able to do it, obviously. And so for whatever reason, either through reads or through uh, coaching strategy, we're not looking downfield. So I, we're just never going to be very explosive in that type of offensive scheme. What about you? Why did you think we struggled? Maybe too strong a word. Why did we have difficulty in the first half? Yeah, difficulty, struggling, one of the same. It's not pretty. Uh, and on film, when you watch the game live, it felt like, oh, we're sort of like stealing touchdowns, which which we definitely did. Uh, you know, we had a wildcat touchdown, sure. and then we had an unguarded receiver on fourth and three touchdown. Now. The good news is if you go for it on fourth and three, you take a chance, some things happen, uh, like Kentucky not guarding a wide receiver. And the Wildcat was a really nice play by Tony, uh, which is not, you know, the Wildcat's not going to work against a, a better team. But regardless, do what you need to on the road. Those plays withstanding, it again comes down to a scheme problem. And I, and I, I apologize for having to say this every week. I, I know you're probably tuning in thinking, hey, I wonder if something different happened this past weekend. But the answer is no, it did not. In the first half, we continued to put ourselves against what you would consider to be an unfavorable position on offense against the defense given to us. And so the basic numbers game, if you're watching at home this week, you can you can play a simple game. You can watch a play and you can count how many people are in the box, how many defensive linemen are there, how many linebackers are there, and do they bring a safety down in there? And then you can count how many people we have blocking. And, and oftentimes it's not enough of us blocking versus more of them coming to get us. And that's that's an oversimplification, but that's essentially what is going on. And that happened a whole lot in the first half. Really, really though, Alan, what you mentioned is, is the main culprit. And we keep talking about it. We have a quarterback in Franks who's got a missile for an arm. And we continue to run one and two and actually behind the line of scrimmage passes as our major point of attack. We're running little hitch routes, little flare outs. Uh, nothing is vertical. We're rarely challenging the defense vertically, and that allows Kentucky to feel very comfortable uh, moving around the ball, playing close to the line of scrimmage. And then lastly, as I've talked to you before about, there are many times on film when Kentucky is simply blitzing the A-gap. Now, the A-gap is the gap between the center and the guard. So the guy that snaps the ball uh, and, and the guard, they have their blocking assignments, and on hike, in comes a blitzing linebacker, timing the snap perfectly, blowing up whatever play we're running. There's multiple reasons why that may happen. One is that the quarterback is not identifying his protections correctly. That could be it. Uh, two is that Kentucky's very confident what kind of play we're running in certain situations. So our tendencies are predictable. These are all things longtime listeners of this show know are the hallmark of a Doug Nussmeyer offense. This is consistent at Michigan. It's consistent with his time at Alabama. I encourage you to Google and read what people at these schools said about him. This is not a new thing for Doug Nussmeyer. It's a recurring problem for Doug Nussmeyer. So the offense, it did score 14 points. Kentucky's defense had been pretty productive throughout the year. We were certainly in the game, but the eye test, I think, Allen, was not passed by the offense. A lot of negative plays, a lot of uh, open blitzes, just a lot of funkiness. 
with regards to what's going on. We're going to break down individually how the quarterbacks looked. We'll save that for a second. But let's flip over to the defense. The defense probably was more of a surprise. In the first half, they give up 14 points, multiple big plays. What what went wrong on the defensive side of the ball? What was the major problem from what you saw? Well, one, I do want to give Kentucky credit, um, especially on a couple of those touchdown throws. I was very impressed with Steven Johnson. I did not think he could put the ball on target like he did. Um, and so they made some nice plays, and they confused us a little bit. But generally, I think it's youth and inexperience and maybe a lack of talent in some positions, but especially at linebacker and safety. A lot of missed tackles has been a problem for us week in and week out from the safety position. Um, and linebacker, when we don't have the guys we need there, really, I mean, we're still missing Kylan Johnson, who's a very effective player when he's healthy. And anytime David Reese and Voshan Joseph aren't in the game, even when they are sometimes, you know, we struggle with that. So I don't want to just say youth and experience, but that's a lot of it. Um, and I think they they got us and they, they had some nice plays down there and, you know, some big chunk plays too, which you usually don't see from a Florida defense, but you know, this, this version of it is very susceptible to. Yeah. I think this defense got maligned over the weekend. I, I got a lot of questions about, Hey, our defense sucks or Hey, things are bad, but I didn't feel that way watching the game live. And when I watched it on tape, I, I feel the same way. I think the defense does very well when they're not tricked or confused, especially if we have our starting 11 out there. For the most part. Now, keep in mind, before this season, we had said, hey, look, the expectations for the defense should be low. They're going to take a step back, but they're going to be an adequate defense. If we stay healthy, they can be even a good defense. We're not healthy right now, which is part of the problem. We'll talk about that later. Uh, But more or less, they don't make a lot of fundamental mistakes outside of a couple position groups, like notably safety, which we'll dive into further, and the linebacker situation, which we'll dive into further as well complicates things but all in all Kentucky ran good plays this is football not every week are you going to be able to get everything done and we have so much inexperience in the back end of this defense with your linebackers and your safeties uh, and your corners that Kentucky fooled us multiple times with good play design that the numbers in their favor a couple of times based on what they did but schematically and I think this is a question I've been getting a lot schematically we were very sound we were frequently in the right look against what Kentucky had against us. If you give our players a bit more experience, I don't think Kentucky is gaining nearly as many yards or big plays as they got. And to me, you hear me say this a lot, you want the players to win or lose the game. You want the coaching staff to schematically put you in the best look and then teach these players how to how to play. And from what I see on tape, I more or less see that. Now, a surprising reason why the defense struggled in the first half was the defensive line really got outplayed by Kentucky's offensive line. And Alan, you and I highlighted last week, that was one of the matchups of the game. And we did not win that matchup in the first half, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Kentucky was frequently able to block their six linemen versus our four down linemen. And that really, really caused us some problems, which allowed Kentucky to run some of those plays uh, that were able to confuse the back end of our defense. So hats off to Kentucky for a good game plan. Hats off to their offensive line for really neutralizing our defensive line. Uh, they did very well, but again, schematically, I thought Florida's game plan was sound. If you take away a few a few things here and there where David Reese reads the screen incorrectly and gets himself blocked, where C.C. Jefferson seals himself off incorrectly and it leads to a 20-yard run, uh, you know those things will happen. 
but those will also happen less and less as these guys get experience. So for me, it was a struggle, but it wasn't like a horror show. Like some people are making it out to be like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're Oklahoma State. We don't have a defense. So that, that was good. But let's switch to what happened in the second half. This was a game where we're down 24-14. It almost feels like it's over um, entering the fourth quarter. In the middle of the third quarter, you know, Kentucky sort of takes control of the game. What happened in the second half? There's a lot of narratives out there right now as to why we were better in the second half. In your opinion, what was the reason why the second half went to us and we scored 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter? We hope you've enjoyed this free preview of the Gator Nation football podcast. To listen to the rest of the episode, which contains an additional two hours of content, head over to patreon.com slash Gator Nation football podcast. Links to that page are posted on both our Twitter and Facebook account. Once on our Patreon page, you'll be able to sign up for $2 a month to get exclusive access to all of our content. Once you subscribe on Patreon, you're able to enjoy this podcast whenever you want, wherever you want, via your favorite podcasting app, whether you're on iOS, your computer, or Android. For more detailed information about the Gator Nation football podcast and Patreon, check out episode zero. If you have questions, comments, or feedback... As always, please reach out to us on either our Facebook or Twitter page. You can go to Facebook, Gator Nation Football Podcast, or on Twitter at Gator Nation FB Podcast. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.